Many of you might know Matt Jaggers. Um, yeah, we can... Uh, superstar. Um, you might know Matt as someone who leads worship for us once a month or so on Sunday nights. Or you might know Matt as the Community Connections pastor of small groups uh, over at Evangel Church. And Matt, for years and years, has been such a big part of our ministry here at the house, has been such a gift to us, and so I know for so many of you here personally. And so I'm so excited to have Matt... Uh, here to preach tonight and share share the word and um, yeah just excited for what God's going to say through you. I already got the sneak peek this morning. It's awesome. Uh, I'm going to pray for you and uh, we're going to let you rock and roll. So God, thanks for Matt. Thanks for the gifts that you've given him. God, thank you that we are one body in Christ. That you, um, even though from di- different churches, uh, you let us all uh, do your ministry together. Uh, so grateful uh, for how you work for your church and the gifts that you uh, give to us. And so. Um, pray for Matt, pray for his words, and uh, just excited to have him make much of you. In your name, amen. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Guys, if you ever want to be encouraged to the point where you feel like your head's going to explode and stuff like that, just you need to come and speak at the house. I mean, the, the words that Ryan said tonight and the words that Chad said this morning, oh boy, my head was just, you know, just getting, oh, wow, I'm a great guy. Whoa. Anyways, the, uh, it is a privilege being out here at the house. And uh, yeah, usually I'm involved in the worship team. And I, I usually wear like a hat or a toque just so I look younger and fit in with you guys. And, and so I don't blind everybody off of, you know, off of the forehead here. But uh, yeah, it is great to be here tonight. Uh, I was, Chad contacted me and asked if I would uh, share a little bit along the lines of the series that uh, uh, the house has been going through, and it's on cultivating good soil, kind of like uh, the story of the, the sower who goes out and throws out the seed, right? And, and so that we want to make sure that in our hearts, we're cultivating good soil for the seeds that are planted in, within us. And, and so as I was uh, taking some time to pray about this and, and uh, yeah, just think about it, I, I just felt God... Uh, leading me in the direction of talking about living in humility. And uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And, and I believe that it's, it's such an important uh, ingredient in the area of cultivating soil. And it's like a good fertilizer. And, and uh, so it's an odd characteristic. Humility, it's if you think you have it, you probably don't. And uh, if you have it, you probably won't know it. Right? And so that's kind of like the, the term of humility. There was a, a rich man who... Uh, went in and asked his spiritual advisor, and we just made a statement, I want to develop humility in my life. And so the spiritual advisor suggested, well, how about you, you go and help someone who's lower than yourself? So the rich man went. He went out and, and helped someone. Then he came back to the, to the advisor and said, hey, I did it. I helped a poor man. With, I gave him some money, and I helped him out. So does that make me humble? Am I humble now? And the spiritual advisor said, no, no, you need to go back out again, and you need to find somebody else that is lower than you and help them. And so he, he did. He goes back out and helps someone. He comes back to the advisor and he sends out again because he's still not humble. He goes back and back and forth, back and forth. And, and finally, he, he asks the spiritual advisor, when, when will I become humble? And the advisor, his response was, you will have obtained humility when you can no longer find anyone else that you think is lower than you in any way. That's, that's what humility is in that sense. To be humble is it's to be realistic. The, the word humility uh, in, the, in the Latin, it comes uh, from the root word humus, which, which literally means earth. And so, there, that, so humility means to, to be down to earth. And to be proud, okay, to have pride, is, it's the opposite. It's to be unrealistic, where you think you're above, you're higher than anyone else. And so that's the difference between humility and, and pride. And I'm sure it's no surprise to us today 
that we live in a fairly egocentric culture, right? Now, what I mean by egocentric is that we, we often tend to think that the world revolves around us or the world revolves around me, right? That's the kind of attitude that we generally have. And, and you, you see this on social media in particular, right? And I'm sure you've all seen this where you only see the best pictures posted of people, the best coffee. Wow, isn't that amazing? Or the best selfies. It's always the best that's put onto Facebook or Instagram, whatever. The only time it's the worst is when your friend got a hold of your camera and they took pictures of you and posted it up there, right? And then you're begging them to take it back down. But uh, we, we see that in our, in our culture through social media. We, we see it on the road while driving. I mean, how many times have you, have you been cut off? Or maybe, maybe you've cut somebody else off. Or you hear the hon- horn honking at you and stuff. And, and generally, it's just uh, on the road. We, we get so caught up in where we needed to get going that uh, anybody else is, hey, we're not even concerned about them, right? And so we see that on the road. We see it in, the, in schools and in the workplace where people are fighting to be the best, right? Vying to be number one and... And uh, oftentimes at the expense of other people to get into those positions. I think, how about in the, in the gym? I mean, do we see it in the gym? Not, not that I would know. I don't make it there very often. But the times I do go there, I mean, it's you, constantly, you're comparing yourself to other people, right? And just like, oh, I don't think I'm as chubby as that guy over there or whatever, right? And, and you begin to think that way and, because you're thinking about yourself. I think of even in our relationship with our phones, uh, yesterday, I was up at Big White. I have uh, three boys. They're uh, 13, uh, 11, and 7. And we're up there at the hill. And if you weren't at Big White yesterday, it was phenomenal. It was a great ski day there yesterday. And uh, so we're, we did a little run on the cliff, and we're coming back up on uh, the, the, the lift there. And um, my, when my oldest son, he had to go by himself. And so then he was sitting with another guy going up the, the chairlift. And, and so he thought, well, he's 13 years old, and so he just silent, it's awkward, and so he just asks the guy a question, and, and the guy just gives a quick, yep, and then he just pulls out his phone, and then the rest of the, 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 the trip up on the cliff, he's, the guy's just taking pictures of himself on Snapchat, and just putting it up there, and he just ignored, I mean, if you've been on the cliff chair, it's a pretty slow chair, right, and so it's a long ways up, and so my, my son's just sitting there, just so quiet and awkward, and, and this guy's more concerned about this relationship he has with his phone than having a, a conversation with somebody that's in real life right there beside him. And I would say that that's, that kind of defines a bit of our culture, that we tend to be egocentric. We, we tend to look out for ourselves, right? My, uh, my family and I, we, a couple of weeks ago, we went down to uh, California. Now, it was, uh, it was during that time when we had the big snowstorm here. So we were down in California enjoying the sunshine. And while you guys were up here shoveling away in your driveways, actually, it was a little wet down in California. We got a bit of rain. But we're, we went down there and, and uh, took our boys to Legoland and to SeaWorld, went to Disneyland, and, and uh, it was just a wonderful time just with the family. Our boys were pumped to see all this stuff there. And, and on, on the way back, on the way home, our last day there in California, we, we thought, well, hey, why don't we go to an all-you-can-eat buffet? Now, now, when I was a teenager, you said the words all-you-can-eat buffet. My eyes were like, whoa, all-you-can-eat buffet, Yeah! And uh, my boys, they're growing boys. I mean, so when I mentioned the all-you-can-eat buffet, they were pumped. Yeah, we want to go. And so we went to this buffet. And uh, I mean, I don't know if you've been to a buffet in the States, but I can say that is one thing they can do way better than us here in Canada, okay? And uh, so you walk in, and it's, it literally is almost, it feels like you're going into like a, a cattle feed trough kind of thing because they, they have a bit of a funnel, and you're, you're coming in, and you get through this gate, and you come into the buffet area, and, and uh, it's, I mean, 
you see all the food. I mean, they got like, it, they have ribs, they have, they had steak, they had little like cheeseburger things. They had this huge salad bar. And, and then it's like the light beam from heaven is coming down and, and you hear the hallelujah chorus and here's this chocolate fountain just flowing down, eh? And you can take the fruit and dip fruit into it and all that kind of stuff. It was just amazing. And, and you guys know how buffets work, right? You, you, you grab a plate, you go up, and you just get everything you want, put it on that plate, go sit down and, and go and eat that. And then you just grab another plate, go back up, get what you want and dessert, salad, whatever, mix it all together, go back and sit down and just eat away, right? And uh, it's just, my boys loved it. They had a great time at the buffet. I, I would say, I, I think, I would describe our world as, or this, our lifestyles sometimes as a buffet lifestyle where we just constantly want what we, where we take what we want, we put it on the plate and it's just, just to satisfy ourselves, right? And so again, this is an egocentric kind of lifestyle. We just take whatever we want and sometimes to the point where we don't even realize that it's causing us damage. Because I, mean, I can tell you, when you go to a buffet, if you eat too much, there can be some damage afterwards, right? <laughs> but it, it's humility that, that gives us the ability to surrender that lifestyle. It's, it's humility that, that helps us to know when to stop. And that's why we need God's word today. That's why we need his word, because God's word reminds us when we need to stop. The apostle Paul, he brings up the importance of humility in the Christian life in Philippians chapter two. I have it on the screen here, and you guys can follow along. But uh, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look, only, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And this is, this is where Paul really hits the idea of surrender pretty hard. It's referring to stop thinking about yourself. The idea of of, of stopping and surrendering yourself. And there's a quote here, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And so when you do this, it changes your perspective about who you are. When you surrender self, when you begin to stop thinking about yourself too much. And when you do this, you first, you, you understand that you're not perfect. And there is freedom in that. When you understand that you're not perfect, you, you, you can realize that you're going to make mistakes in your life. And when you walk in humility, knowing that you're going to make mistakes, you realize that's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. When uh, I was a youth pastor for, uh, at Evangel for about six years before I transitioned to the new role I'm in now, and uh, my kinda, the last thing I was involved in with, with our youth ministry and was uh, going to a summer youth camp. With a bunch of, we had a few different youth groups there, and so there's a bunch of youth. And, and I was the guy kind of overseeing it and directing it. And, and we just had a, a great week. Summer camp is just phenomenal. Just, it's a great opportunity just to see young people just encouraged and inspired in their relationship with Jesus. And, and so as we're going throughout the, the week, we, every morning we would do these skits. Each cabin would plan out a skit and they would do it and they were all based off of like Bible stories and, and creative ways and we had a just a hoot we had a, a great time doing these skits but some of them were going a little bit too long and so not all the cabins were uh, able to do them throughout the week and then we came to the last day and we had a, a whole bunch of cabins that still had to to do their little play right and 
So we had our cabin leader meeting in the morning, and, and I'm just letting them know, hey, guys, we've got to keep these pretty short. We've got to get through these pretty fast this morning because we've got a bunch. And so they, they all agreed, like, okay, we'll, we'll get through it really quick here. And, and so we broke and, and went off into our uh, different ways. And then we're coming back uh, to the amphitheater for our chapel time. And so I'm, I'm down in the front, and as the groups are coming in, and we had some Lecrae music going on, some hip-hop music. I, I, you guys had like a hip-hop concert here last week, eh, I heard. And uh, so we had Lecrae going on, and it's kind of like a, just that, that rap. And so I'm at the front just trying to get the youth pumped up, and as they're coming in and kind of hollering out at them, and they're hollering back. And, and then we're getting to the point where we're about to start, right? And, and I'm about to announce the skits and... And, you know, I'm just, again, thinking that they have to be kept really short and, and uh, as we have to get things moving along. And, and so I, I yell out to the youth, are you guys ready? And they're kind of hollering back, we're ready. And then I, I yell out, because I'm introducing the skits, I yell out, are you ready for some shit? I, I stopped right there right now, okay, at this moment. But on that day, out of my mouth came this vulgar profanity in front of all the youth. Okay, now my son was there. He was in grade six. He's sitting there. All the youth, their mouths just drop. And then a bunch of the leaders, their 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 eyes are like, what? What in the world did we just hear? And then all the cabin leaders, they just start hauling, just laughing away. And I'm thinking, what did I just say? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, what happened here? And I'm thinking I must have combined the word short and the word skit, and out came this this profanity out of out of my virgin lips, right? And, and so here I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I mean, this is the way I'm leaving youth ministry. I mean, parents, parents probably think I just got fired after that, right? But, you know, it was just, it was a mishap that happened. And, you know, maybe I could have probably just let that get me down. I can't believe I did that. My son was harassing me afterwards. Dad, I can't believe you swore. Because if he did that, he'd get his mouth washed out with soap, right? And, and uh, so here I am. But you know, I realized, man, it was, it was just a, a, a mistake, and I, I can just learn to laugh at myself, because everybody else is anyways, and, and, and so be able, I'm able to move on from that, right? Well, that's, in a sense, when we make mistakes, it, it doesn't have to get us stuck in a rut and think that we're all discouraged and, and get down. You know, we can use, I mean, that was just a fun example. I mean, we, I know we all have different examples where we, we've failed and made mistakes, but God can work through those mistakes. And as in humility, when we realize that we're not perfect, we're going to make mistakes, it really helps us to move forward as God leads us. I think uh, the idea, though, uh, of how it changes our perspective is, uh, or when you understand that you're not perfect, it helps you build a life of repentance. And and this is, the life of repentance is key for living today. Now, let me explain the idea of a life of repentance. When you live pretending that you are perfect and, and that uh, everything is all great and you tend not to admit your mistakes to, to God or to others, well, then it's pretty hard for God to do his work in your life, his transforming work. Uh, there's, uh, but when you humble yourself, when you walk in humility, you're willing to confess your, your sin. You're willing to confess it to, first of all, to God, and you're willing to even confess it to other people that you trust. Because, again, as you walk in humility and you live a life of repentance, there's, there's freedom in that. Now, just an example of this, at, uh, at Evangel Church, where I'm involved at, we're doing a series coming up uh, just for, on Friday night and Saturday next weekend 
called the Conquer Series. Now, the, the Conquer Series is, is uh, it's based on sexual purity. It's, it's on uh, dealing with strongholds in your life and, and uh, discovering some tools to overcome temptation. And it's a, it's a really relevant series for today. Now, it, it will deal with uh, the area of pornography and, and uh, things like that that we see. And I, I know that a little while ago, the Over 18 documentary was viewed here, right? And I mean, it's such a reality today in our culture, the area of, of pornography and the, the, like sex trafficking, all, all these kind of things. And um, I was talking with our, the pastor that is overseeing this. And as we're chatting about it, he, he said that in, in his experience, what he's seen is, is that when you are caught in a sin, particularly in this area, that it generally causes a lot of hurt in, in the people involved, whether uh, the person that is involved in, in committing the sin or in the people that find out, because it, it just causes a lot of hurt. There could be judgment, and uh, oftentimes there's not as much grace extended when an individual is caught. And so his, his encouragement is, you know, man, this is right now, this, this series is, based, is focused on men, and he's encouraging the man to come and be a part of this, because when you come and be a part of it, and if, it's, if you're willing to even confess, even if you're not dealing with the issues, it's great to come and be part of it, because you can be encouragement to others or learn the tools, but if you are struggling, this is a great opportunity just to, to find freedom in this area, because when you, are, when you live a life of repentance and you confess, oftentimes there's... There's, there's, people are more gracious. They're willing to help you. They're willing to support you through that, that, uh, that struggle. And, and I just, he was just saying that it's just a better response when you're able to confess it. And I think that's, that's just a, a, a brief example of just living a life of repentance. When you live a life of repentance, you will experience incredible freedom. You will have a greater sense of God's peace in your life. You'll have a greater sense of his joy in your life as well. Because you're willing to to realize, again, that you're not perfect, but there's a God who loves you and he wants to do his life-changing work in your life. The other area about humility, about surrendering yourself, not only does it affect you in the area of your thinking, but it also it changes how you interact with others. You're not just concerned about your own life, but you take, an interest in, 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 you take an interest in other people's lives. My, my uh, youngest son, he's seven years old, and he came home this week from school with, with a, a joke book. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I was doing some work and uh, just getting some, catching up with some stuff from last week and getting things ready for this week. And, and so my son comes in and he's, he's like, Dad, he's all excited. He's, he's basically, he's, I mean, he's learning how to read, so he's got this book to, to read, and he's like, Dad, listen to this joke. I'm like, oh, okay, and, and it's like, knock, knock. Well, who's there? Butter. Oh, butter who? Oh, butter not tell you. It's a secret. <laughs> okay, all right, <laughs> that's nice. And, uh, and then I'm trying to get my work done over here, and okay, Dad, I got another one. Okay, why'd the chicken cross the road? I'm thinking, I've heard this one before. Okay, I don't know. Why did he cross the road? So he could show this squirrel that it could be done. Oh, okay, okay, thank you. And then he told a few more of these corny, they are, they're, they're cheesy jokes. He told a few of these, and I'm, I'm starting, after the fifth one, I'm, I'm starting to get a little frustrated because I'm trying to get my, my work done here, and, and, uh, and I was about to tell him, okay, hey, Nate, why don't you just take some time? You can go read over there quietly, okay? And, but I was about to say that, but then I just felt the Holy Spirit convict me. And it's just like, you know, Matt, you know, get the priorities here. Your son is the priority. 
And so I did. I put the, my paper, my work away, and I just came back. And I, oh, yeah, okay, come on, Nate. Let me hear some more jokes. And we kept going on with these jokes. And, and uh, I told him a couple jokes too. But uh, boy, they were, they were cheesy jokes. We made it through. But I think one of the most valuable things that you can give someone, one the, the most valuable thing you can give them is your time. You know, think about the, the times that people have poured into your life. The times where you've been encouraged, maybe not even by people's words, but just by their presence, just with them taking interest in you. Now think about how that encouraged you in, in the, the circumstance or situation you were in, and think about how God can use you when you give your time, which is so valuable, to someone else. There's a, the verse in Romans 12, 16. It says, live in harmony with each other. But listen to this part here. It says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And this, is a, this is a call to be involved in people's lives. I just want to give you a couple quick signs that, that are obvious when you're involved in people's lives, that you're showing interest in, the, in their life. The first one is that you actually listen. You, you take some time to, to hear what they have to say. It's, in our culture, it's become a bad habit where as somebody is talking, what, what do we do? Well, we start formulating, uh, as they're telling their story, we're thinking of a story that's similar, and we're going to relate it back to them after they're done talking, and it's usually a bigger and better story. Now, there's a term for this. It's the one-upper, okay? It's the, it's the person who, who always has a bigger or better story than you. And you know, a one-upper, you will never beat a one-upper in storytelling. You never will, because their stories will always be bigger. It's like, you know, my dad, he's got a 20-foot boat. Well, hey, they'll tell you their story. Wow, hey, well, that's great. Well, my uncle, he's got a 21-foot boat, and it's got all this stuff in it, right? It's just amazing. You will never beat a one-upper in storytelling. And, and so this is a bad habit, I think, that, that has crept into our, our culture in the, the area of listening. Another bad habit that's creeped into our area of listening is we easily get so distracted by things going on around us. Now, I, I think this, this is uh, especially true in the area of, of church life. I know I, I'm, again, involved in Sunday mornings at Evangel, and, and when you're talking to one person and, and they're sometimes maybe sharing a, their, a heart story and you're listening to them, well, then there's other people that are walking by and as you're trying to listen to them, it's so easy just like, Oh, hey, how you doing? You shake their hand and, oh, and then you come back and you try to catch up to their story again and somebody else comes by and, oh, hey, how, how's it going? And, or maybe it's with technology. You're, you're, you're trying to, somebody texts you and as they're telling their story, you check your text message and, and it's become such a bad habit that we get so distracted rather than listening to an individual's story. I want to encourage you, when somebody's telling you their story, I mean, and this is the area of distractedness. That's where, man, that, that's tough for me. That's where I, I lose it. I, I fail in that. And so this is, I'm preaching to myself tonight too. But I want to give you just a couple of quick tips just on, on listening. Okay, first one is when you're talking with somebody, turn, like put away your tech, okay? Whether it be your computer or your cell phone, put, put it away. Listen and engage with that person. Keep eye contact with them. Let them know that you're engaging with their story. You're paying attention to them. The other one is, a quick tip, is just use facial expressions as they're telling their story. I mean, I, I have active eyebrows. I don't know, maybe you've noticed this tonight. I love to raise my eyebrows and do different things. And, but just as they're telling their story, just use facial expression to let them know that you're engaged in their story. These are just three quick little tips for you. But when you do that, 
you will show them that they are valuable. And that's what it's all about. You're showing that you are interested in their life. Another obvious sign that you're, you're showing interest in someone is that you're, you encourage them. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that the tongue can bring life or death. And it's humility, when you live in humility, that will lead you to build up, to bring life into others around you. I'm not, uh, I'm not, I love the term speak life. I don't know if Toby Mac made it up or not, but I'm sure other people have used this term speak life and it's a song that he, he, that he has. But just the idea that the words you say will bring impact in people's lives. There's, I've got a few of his lines here from his song. He says, when the sun won't shine and you don't know why, look into the eyes of the brokenhearted. Watch them come alive as soon as you speak hope, you speak love, and you speak life. Our words are powerful. They bring life. They can change someone's heart, someone's life. And the role of the encourager is often not in the spotlight. If you, if you choose to take on this role as the encourager, it's, you won't be in the limelight. I mean, I think of, of uh, I was watching the Olympics last summer there, and I'm thinking of all these athletes I remember Andre de Grasse, who is one of Canada's elite track runners. He's doing all these races. But I'm thinking, these guys, as they run and they win the race, I mean, they get the gold medal and they get up on the podium and everybody's cheering them on and people are asking for their autographs. But you never hear about the one who was with them day in, day out, encouraging them, telling them, don't quit, keep going, you can do this. You never hear about the encourager. If you take on the role of an encourager and you're involved in someone's life and encourage them with the words you say or the actions that you, you do to them, other people probably will not notice what's going on. But you know who does notice? Is God. He's the one that notices. There's, there's a verse here in 1 Peter. It says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. The idea, I'm thinking of when you read a paper and it's got some highlighted uh, marks on it, right? I mean, your eyes are automatically drawn to the yellow highlighted marks. And I think living your life in humility, taking on the role of an encourager, it's like, it, it just attracts God's attention because it's like you've been highlighted with this yellow marker and, and, and God sees that. He sees the difference that you're making, the, how you're living your life in humility and he's drawn to that. And we're told God loves that. The humble heart. And when he sees the humble heart, at the right time, it says he will lift you up in honor. He will bring the reward. There's a, there's a guy named George Washington Carver. Actually, I'm just going to invite the band to, to come back up. There's a guy named George Washington Carver who was born in Missouri in 1864. And from his modest beginnings, I mean, he, he didn't have much uh, as a child. He he had health issues, but eventually as he grew up, he became known around the world as a scientist, an educator, an inventor, and he was sharing a little bit about his life and, and what had happened when he was young, and he said that he came to God, and he, he said to God, God, tell me the mystery of the universe. He's just expecting, he, he wants to just know so much, and so he's asking God, tell me the mystery of the universe. But God answered him, George, that, that knowledge is reserved for me alone. 
And so George thought about it a little bit more, and he said, okay, well, God, can you tell me the mystery of the peanut? And then God said, well, well, George, that's more nearly your size. And later, George Washington Carver, he was named the head of the agricultural department at the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. And, and it was there that he discovered over 300 uses of the peanut. Some of the products that he made from peanuts included insulation, wood stains, soap, skin lotion, and medicines. He, he didn't invent peanut butter, but he sure made it a lot better. And, and during his life, Carver received many honors. He, he received uh, awards for outstanding achievement. There was a museum that was dedicated in, in his name at the Institute. And then following his death, uh, the, the U.S. Congress established George Washington Carver Day. There was a day designated just to remember George Washington Carver. There was a national monument that was built in his honor. Carver was recognized on postage stamps and on coins. He was elected to the Hall of Fame for Great Americans, inducted to the National Inventors Hall of Fame, and, and he was listed as one of the, the 100 greatest African Americans. I can tell you, all this didn't happen because George Washington Carver lived his life for himself. He was described as a, as a humble man who led an ex extraordinary life. One of his quotes was when you do common things in life in an uncommon way, you will command the attention of the world. I think even when he's saying that, I think he's thinking you will also, that you will attract the attention of God as well. And during his uh, times uh, with his students, as he's teaching them, he compiled a list of eight virtues that he encourages students to live by as he was living by these virtues. And they were as follows. Be clean, both inside and out. Neither look up to the rich nor down on the poor. Lose, if need be, without squealing. Win without bragging. Always be considerate of women, children, and older people. Be too brave to lie. Be too generous to cheat. And take your share of the world and let others take theirs. I mean, this guy, George, understood living in humility. His life was about being God-reliant rather than being self-reliant. It's, it's in the Greek meaning of the word humility that we discover the definition to make low. And this is how you live out humility. You, you make your life, you make yourself low. I think George Washington Carver understood that. But the greatest example, most of all, is found in scripture of, of living this kind of life. It's in Philippians chapter two, verses five to 11. And Paul writes, he's, he's saying, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges to, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth 
and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, there, there will be one day that everybody will bow. Everybody will be made low. Everyone will be humbled. And you know what? There won't be a choice. There will be no choice on that day. Everyone, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. Bowing down to make yourself low today, it's, it's a choice. I was thinking as I was preparing this, I was thinking, why, why, is it, why isn't humility listed in the fruit of the Spirit? In the fruit of the Spirit, we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And I was just, just why? Why wouldn't humility be on that list? That's such a good quality to have, good characteristic. And, and I, was, I was just pondering on this. I just, just felt God say to me, the reason why is because it's, a, it's your choice. It's the starting point. It's a point of surrender where you, you choose. It's, God, God can't force you to. But you choose to humble yourself. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he's the one that produces that, that good fruit in your life. So humility is the starting point of living out our lives in surrender to Jesus. It's about surrendering yourself to the one who made the greatest sacrifice. And as, as we surrender, as we humble ourselves, it's, it's that pathway, the pathway to humility that unfolds as we humble ourselves before God. And it's here that we find his will, his purpose for our lives, so when we humble ourselves before him, we find direction. And today in closing, I, I wonder if there's been something that you've been seeking God's will on. I mean, we've, we've talked about how the, the idea of surrender that affects us in, in the way that we think in, in regards to ourselves. It also affects the way that we interact with others. The, the last part of humility here is just the idea of when we humble ourselves God reveals things to us. And maybe you've been seeking something from the Lord in the last little while. And, and maybe like George Carver, you've been asking this grand, you've been asking God to, to just reveal something grand to you, the grand scheme of things for your life. I just, could it be that maybe if, if you're not sensing that God is speaking to you, maybe, maybe that you might be asking the wrong question like George Washington Carver was asking the wrong question. Is God asking you maybe to focus on something smaller in your life? And then from that, as you, you surrender that to him, or as you seek him on that, that he begins to reveal the greater things as things unfold in your life. Could it be that maybe we're just asking the wrong question? Just before we respond with a song I just want to give us a time to approach God on this just think specifically is there something that you've been seeking God on and just that question that you've been asking just, just bring it to him and just ask him God have I been asking the wrong question here and then let him speak to you God desires to speak to us guys. It, it might be a picture that he shows us it might be uh, just an impression on our heart or on our mind. It may be a gentle whisper. It may be an audible voice that you hear. But God desires to speak to us. 
And maybe tonight, he just wants to reveal some, the, the right question for you to ask tonight. And so I just would like to just take a, just a moment just to be quiet, just to be still, and just let God just speak to us. And so bring that question to him right now in this moment and, and let him speak to you. So let's just do that right now. times in different stages of our lives, we're constantly seeking you for your will and your purpose in our life. And I think oftentimes we just can be so impatient and we just, just even as as George in the story, God, he's just asking for everything, wants to know all the details. God, we we often do that. We want to know everything. And I think the, the biggest part of this is you're asking us to put our trust in you. And so this, this act of humbling ourselves before you is just admitting our trust in you, Jesus. But I, I, I do pray tonight, Father, that for those of us here who have been asking you a question, God, in direction, in purpose, God, just to reveal to us, how, how, maybe we've been asking the wrong question. Maybe we've been asking for the, the greater perspective when really you want us to start with something a lot smaller. And so, God, I just pray you would just reveal the right question for us to ask. That we would make ourselves low before you, Jesus. As you lead us, your word says to trust in you. And as we trust in you, that you will lead us. You will make our path straight, God. in closing I'm just gonna we're gonna be singing a song here the band will lead us in and and just in in response tonight and maybe what what I would like to encourage each of us to do tonight as we sing this song is is just to physically kneel before the Lord to bow before him to make ourselves low and and I I realize maybe not everybody can do that here maybe do some do some physical uh, pain or whatever it may be and and the more important part is that it's our hearts are made low before him. But if you're able to and willing to, I'd just like to invite you just in a sense of just humbling ourselves, just to kneel before the Lord as we sing this song, Give Me Jesus. And it's just an opportunity for us to say, Lord, I humble myself before you. I make myself low before you. 
So let's do that today as we respond.